0: God, I pray that You would use this time to equip the saints for the work of the ministry further. God, I pray You would use this time to also work in our hearts to make us more godly. Would You make us more like the psalmist who could say, Oh, how I love Your law. It is my meditation day and night. God, I pray that You would also help us to understand the importance of scripture meditation and how we can practice it and how we can teach others to practice it so that we and those that we minister to could live more in the blessing of what Psalm 1 talks about, that the man is blessed who meditates on your word. God, give us understanding and incline our hearts to Uh, walk in accordance with what we see in your word during this hour. God, I pray you would especially renew the strength of these weary listeners. They have uh, heard so much truth already, and and I'm sure many are feeling like uh, they are already beyond saturated with what they can take in. God, I pray that you would work in them and enable them to hear your truth and profit from it more than they think they're able to. God, I pray that you would um, help this time not to be uh, in vain, but truly fruitful. So we commit it to you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, the basic premise of this lecture is that if you can get the people that you counsel the people you disciple, to meditate on Scripture, then your ministry will be more fruitful. And I'm going to try and make a case for that biblically, for why that is, and then offer some suggestions for how to do that. So here's where we're going. What is Scripture meditation? Why should we assign that in counseling? How can we teach people to practice Scripture meditation and then... Finally, some ideas for assigning scripture meditation in counseling homework. Uh, But first, consider this. If the scriptures truly are completely sufficient for the task of counseling, then the scriptures must teach us what a person should do with the scriptures in order to be instructed and changed by them. And they do, in addition to reading. Hearing and studying, the Bible tells us we must meditate on the Bible. Do you understand that point? Um, We don't, if the scriptures are sufficient, we shouldn't need to go somewhere outside of the scriptures to learn what we need to actually do with the scriptures, to have our lives changed by them, and to receive the help that we need to live a life of godliness and and to grow and change. And the script, just like uh, Pastor Jason talked to you about last week, That the Bible tells us how we should interpret the Bible. The Bible comes hermeneutic included. Well, the Bible also tells us what we need to do with the Bible in order to be changed by it and to grow. And meditate is one of those things. All right, well, what are we talking about when we talk about Scripture meditation? Uh, To meditate just means to ponder or mull over. To dwell on, Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. To give unhurried time and attention to thinking about. A good picture of this in Scripture is Luke 2.19, after Mary hears from the shepherds what the angels said that her uh, was true of her newborn boy. It says, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now, here's an important caveat, unlike what the world means by meditate, meditation, biblical meditation doesn't involve emptying one's mind, clearing one's mind. It's just the opposite. It means filling one's mind with the words of God in, in Scripture. So the kind of meditation that's most popular in the world today has its roots in uh eastern mysticism or the new age movement you basically you you try and eliminate conscious thought even eliminate desire so you can i don't know fuse your consciousness or lack thereof with the cosmic world spirit or something like that All Right. well this is just the opposite you give your mind to thinking about something specific the words of the bible and the purpose is not to to eliminate desire, but to inflame your desires for God and for uh, the good life that He shows us how to live in the Bible. Now, in Joshua 1 8, meditating on the Word, this is helpful, is equated with keeping the Word in one's mouth. Joshua 1 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night. Well, what explains that? Okay, the biblical Hebrew word for meditate is translated meditate. Uh, When it's used most concretely, it means uttering low, inarticulate sounds. So the same word is used to describe the growl of a lion. It's translated growl in that verse. Or the coo of a dove. It's translated moan in that verse. Or the groaning of one in distress. And so then the picture with meditating on scripture is to mutter it under one's breath. Not like in, again, some kind of Buddhist monk, we're chanting kind of way. But for the sake of, of chewing on it and thinking about it, right? I, I think Joshua's being told as he goes along, he needs to just like quote the scripture to himself. To mutter it under his breath. To think of it. To turn it over and over in one's mind. Illustrations of meditation. Uh, this is uh, a Puritan said this, although I don't remember which one would be to treat a verse or passage like a bee treats a flower. Uh, the bee doesn't just hurry past the flower. The bee lands on the flower, stays there and tries to suck all of the sweetness he can out of the flower. That, that's what it's like to meditate on scripture. You just focus on a certain verse or passage and, and you ponder it and try and suck all of the sweetness you can out of it. Uh, David Mathis used this illustration uh, playing off of Matthew 4.4, 4, which says, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. All right. With that in mind, that uh, the word of God is like food that we eat, the real food we need. To illustrate meditation, he says, Man does not live by bread alone, And meditation is slowly relishing the meal, treasuring these things up in your heart, pondering them, turning it over and over in your mind, even perhaps as you quote it under your breath. So meditation is slow, deep thinking on what God has revealed in Scripture for the sake of growing in understanding, raising our affections, and walking in greater obedience. It it aims at the whole heart your cognition, your affections, your volition, your, your will. Uh, I've already heard in the visiting I did with you all before the lecture, a couple of you already mentioned that, that being at this conference is like drinking out of a fire hose. You know? Well, meditating on scripture is like the exact opposite way. Okay? Slow down and and just treat one verse like it's a, a drip hose. It's on for a long time and just try and slowly have have your um, your soul be pressed into the mold of what that verse says. You should think, feel and do. Why should we assign scripture, meditation and counseling And this section next might be the most important. Of the lecture and you may need to go through some of these points or verses with your counselees to convince them of the need that they have to meditate on scripture. Scripture commands and commends this practice. I, li- I list these verses. We're going to talk about them, um, you know, throughout the lecture. So we, we'll we'll turn to them in time. But I just wanted to list them all for you all together. Scripture connects Bible meditation and counseling in some ways. Bible meditation will help keep us from walking in the counsel or counseling. Of the wicked, Psalm 1, 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. And that's not C-O-U-N-C-I-L, like the city council. at C-O-U-N-S-E-L, as in counseling. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counseling of not the company, but, but the advice of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But here's the alternative. Here's the way that someone doesn't walk in the counseling of the world, of the wicked. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on His law He meditates day and night. And interestingly, Psalm 2, verse 1, um, and and many people, I think, rightly think Psalm 1 and 2 are, are supposed to be read together as a kind of gateway into the whole Psalter it begins on the same kind of note. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? Well, that, that word is the same Hebrew word translated meditate. They meditate in vain. They devise a vain thing. That's why in the King James it says, I think it says, he, uh, they imagine a vain thing, right? <laughs> because the word is meditation. So uh, what, what someone meditates on determines the path they walk on, the kind of counsel that they meditate on determines the path that they'll walk down and live a life that's more fundamentally aligned with what God calls righteousness or wickedness. Next, when we meditate on the Bible, the word itself becomes our counselor. Psalm one nineteen, twenty three, 23 and 24. Or, or I'll just read verse 24. Your testimonies are my... No, I'll read 23. There's the word meditate. 119, 23 and 24. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate... On your statutes, your testimonies are my delight. See the Psalm 1 resonance, delight, meditation. They are my counselors. Your testimonies that I meditate on are my counselors. There's a sense in which when we meditate on the Bible, the word itself acts as our counselor. Through Bible meditation, we can even become wiser than our counselors or teachers. Psalm 119, 97 through 100. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation. All the day your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies for it is ever with me. But it's not just my enemies that it makes me wiser than I have more understanding than all my teachers. How did that come to be for because your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. So people who meditate on the Bible regularly won't need as much counsel from us, and if they meditate on the Bible regularly long enough, eventually we'll need counsel from them. (laughs) Bible meditation, for these same reasons, equips you as a counselor. Uh, I have... Cling in hope to this promise. Some of you think you you listen to Kevin Carson lecture, you listen to Stephen Yule lecture, you listen to Terry Inn's lecture, and you think, I I could never be that wise of a counselor. Well, why don't you see if this verse is true? I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. Why don't you give yourself to meditating on the scripture and see how much you grow in wisdom for the sake of being able to minister to others. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And if it does, here's the next part of the verse, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. The degree to which you will teach and admonish others in all wisdom is related to how much the word of Christ dwells in you, lives in you, abides in you. Meditation is, is a big part of how that happens. Now Scripture says meditating on the Bible will bring forth these fruits. Bible meditation helps us be careful to obey God and do what the Bible says. Joshua one seven. Okay, I want I want you to hear this. Um, I know you're you're tempted to. You know, fill in all the blanks, but, but listen to the, listen to me, read Joshua one. And then I promise when I'm done, I'll release you and you can, you know, you can fill in the other blanks. Okay. Joshua one, God says, be strong and courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant commanded you do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. Joshua, you need to be careful to obey everything that's in the Bible, basically, is what he said. Don't turn from the right or the left. How's he supposed to do that? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. So what leads to being careful to do what is written in the Bible? It's a result of meditating on it day and night. Then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. So if Joshua 1.8 is true, and uh, being very careful to obey what's written in the Bible is something that results from meditating on the word day and night, if that's the case, then... How much should you expect your counselee to be careful to do what is written in the Bible if they're not meditating on it day and night? How much should you expect you will be careful to do all that is written in the Bible if you're not meditating on it day and night? Again, this same connection comes out. and Okay, now you can fill out the rest of the blanks. <laughs> but listen with your other ear. The same connection comes out in Psalm 1. Again, blessed is the man who doesn't walk the way of the wicked, stand in the path of sinners. Well, well, what's the, what's the alternative? He meditates on the word. You meditate on the word, that helps you not to walk in sin. Similarly, Psalm 119.11, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And that's not just talking about someone who has a bunch of verses memorized who can rattle them off in Awana. It's someone who uses what they've memorized, perhaps, to actually meditate on it, day and night. Because right after that, a few verses later, he says, In the ways of your testimonies, I delight. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. 119.43 and following. Take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth... I'm going to I'm going to mutter on your truth. I'm going to chew on it all day. I'm going to think about it. For my hope is in your rules, I will keep your law continually, forever and ever. How how can this man have such confidence that he's going to be that obedient? I shall walk in a wide place for I have sought your precepts. I will speak of your testimonies before kings. I will not be put to shame because I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love. I will meditate on your statutes. There's a scriptural connection between how much one meditates on the Bible and how much one obeys it. Now, here's a related reality. Bible meditation helps us bear fruit for God and prosper spiritually, no matter what happens around us. Again, Psalm 1, his delights in the law of the Lord. He meditates on it day and night He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Who is like a tree planted by streams of water? The one who meditates on the word day and night. And he will yield fruit in its season. The leaf will not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. I think you should connect that also with Joshua 1, the previous verse that said meditate on the word day and night so that you'll be careful to obey it so that you'll have good success wherever you go. And in Psalm 1 is the same promise. Delight in the word. Meditate on it day and night so that whatever you do, you'll prosper. Spiritual prosperity. You'll bear fruit no matter what happens around us. John 15 is a related reality. Jesus says, if you abide in me, you bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then he talks about abiding in him. And also his words abiding in us. Bible meditation helps us trust God instead of being fearful, anxious, and despairing. And how many counseling cases, you know, f- fall under those umbrellas instead of trusting in ourselves or others. Uh, I, I'm getting this in part because in Jeremiah 17, um, a, a, a passage you can get a lot, of, uh, well, a lot of ministry done from Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. It's I think kind of the key passage in when people are big and God is small, it's a great passage to know. We talked about it uh, in the last lecture I did last month about anxiety. Anyway, it it talks about the one, cursed is the man who trusts in man, who makes flesh his strength. He's going to be like a shrub in the desert. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. What will he be like if he trusts in the Lord? You're going to hear Psalm 1 language. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. Does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves remain green. Is not anxious in the year of drought. It does not cease to bear fruit. So, Jeremiah 17, Psalm 1, it's painting a picture of the same spiritually prosperous life. What leads to that kind of life? Trusting in the Lord, not in man. Jeremiah 17. Meditating on the word day and night. Ergo, if that leads to the same kind of life, meditating on the word day and night helps us to trust in the Lord and not in man, right? And think about this. We don't trust the Lord in some kind of vague, abstract way. The way that you trust God is to trust the specific things that God has said in his word. It's not by conjuring up some kind of um, inexplainable feeling of trust toward God. It's by actually putting your hope in the specific things that he has said. And you can do that if you're thinking about those things, thinking about those specific words throughout the day. And again, the promise is you, you won't fear when heat comes or be anxious in the year of drought. Also, Psalm 119.23, I quoted earlier, but, but consider again from this angle. Even though princes sit plotting against me, Okay, that's a really scary situation, right? If you think, well, even though, if it said, even though Pastor Keith sits plotting against me, that's not that scary, right? What can I do? (laughs) If princes are plotting against you, oh, they've got resources at their disposal, right? That's scary stuff. Your servant will meditate on your statutes. Okay? Helps us to trust God instead of being fearful Psalm 119, 77, 78. Let your mercy come to me. Your law is my delight. Let the insolent be put to shame because they have wronged me with falsehood. This is a hard situation. Tempted to despair. People are speaking wrong things. They're wronging me and they're speaking falsely about me. He says, as for me, I will meditate on your precepts. The, the wider context of Joshua 1 God calls him to um, be strong, be courageous, don't fear. And he gives him all these promises because I'm going to be with you. You're, you're, none of your enemies are going to stand before you. I'm going to give you all the land I promised you. And then he says, So be obedient and meditate on my word. In the broader context, what are the kinds of things that Joshua is supposed to meditate on and remember? God said, I will be with you. God said, Be strong. God said, I'm going to give you all this land. God said, all of the nations in the land are not going to be able to stand against me. As he's meditating on the word, that, that helps him to trust the Lord and to have the courage that God is calling for. It, it's connected to that idea in Joshua 1.8. Okay, Psalm 74, uh, Psalm 77. I'll leave this to look, you can look uh, more deeply on your own time. But, but there's this great turn. The psalmist is in great trouble in fact, he says, "You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled, I can't, I can't speak." And and then he talks about his trouble. And then the psalm turns to hope. Whenever he starts, he says, "I will remember you, Lord. I'm going to meditate on you, on the wonderful things you've done, and who you are." Next, the Bible helps us remember what the Bible says. Psalm one nineteen fifteen 15, and 16. I will meditate on your precepts, fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And, and this principle um, especially helps us to see, I think, this point, how, how all of these points, all of these benefits of meditation overlap, right? So the reason that scripture meditation helps us to be careful to obey the word in part is because scripture meditation helps us just to remember what the word and not forget. In James 1, 22 through 25, what's the difference in James 1 between a hearer of the word and a doer of the word? Well, it says the hearer is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and then walks away and forgets, forgets. And then he says, be no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts. You'll be blessed in your doing. So actually, we usually think about how do you remember the Bible throughout the day is we remember by memorizing the Bible, right? Okay, think of meditation on the Bible and memorizing the Bible go hand in hand. And in fact, you should memorize the Bible for the purpose of being able to meditate on it throughout the day or in times when you especially need it. If you just memorize the Bible but then never meditate on what you've memorized ever, that that's like working really hard to bake a cake and never eating it. You don't ben- you benefit spiritually from the hard work you've put in to actually store that in your mind. Meditate on it throughout the day. And and these things should feed each other. As you're memorizing a verse, just naturally you're, you're going to be meditating on that verse. And actually, if you meditate on a verse, you will very certainly, very certainly, almost certainly, memorize it or memorize part of it or come very close to memorizing it. I, I had a, a seminary professor who, um, he said he used to assign passages of scripture to memorize to his students. But, but then, by the time I took his class, uh, he had... Changed that assignment. Now, he assigned his students had to meditate on these passages of Scripture certain of times a number of weeks. And he said, what you'll find by the time that you've meditated on Scripture, these passages so intentionally, so regularly, is that you'll basically have them memorized. Next, Bible meditation helps us love and delight in God. How many times... Have I read a verse from Psalm 119 where the parallel lines were, I meditate on the word and I delight in it. Mm-hmm. Several of them. That that Psalm 1 connection. He delights in the word, he meditates on it day and night. Okay, you can ask the chicken or the egg question. What Does delighting in the word lead to meditating on it day and night? Or does meditating on it lead to d- delighting it? And, and the answer is yes. yes. Exactly. Okay. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. Bible meditation helps us understand what the Bible says and how we should apply it. Make me understand the ways of your precepts. I will meditate on your wondrous works. In those scriptures I said earlier, I have more understanding than my teachers because your testimonies are my meditation. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, uh, Paul says to Timothy some things like... um, Be like an athlete, be like a farmer, be like a soldier. And and then Paul says to Timothy, meditate on these things. Think on these things. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. He says, I know, you know, I know you may not totally get these proverbs I just gave you. Think over what I say. The Lord will give you understanding. How will you grow in understanding? Think. Think about these things. Meditate on these things. Adding scripture meditation to the practice of other spiritual disciplines, reading the word, prayer, hearing the word preached, greatly increases the profitability of those practices. Why? For the reasons that I just mentioned. So share one of those promises with your With your counselees, if they say, I just feel so dry and dull and where's my passion for God? Uh, You you know, my, my fire for God used to burn so white hot and now I just feel. Show them the connection between delighting in the Lord and meditating on his word. You know, if someone says, I just, I know what I need to do. I just can't seem to do it. I just, well, show them the connection between meditating on the word and being careful to do what the Bible says. To, to, to motivate them to say, wow, I really do want to meditate on the word. And you know, that can give them hope too. And they say, well, I know what the Bible says and I've kind of tried to do it and I'm really having a lot of trouble doing it. If you show them, hey, maybe this is something that's missing. That can give them hope, right? Because sometimes that does. It's like if you just tell me the same thing that I already know, Sometimes that's not very helpful. But if some says, oh, I haven't been meditating. Look, look at what the Bible says that could do for me. All right. Next, the testimony of Christians who've gone before prove these biblical truths. I won't read all these, but but I put a lot on your handout so you can um, profit from them later. But I'll read at least these first ones. Uh, these are all Puritans or just older saints that we look up to, stood the test of centuries. Thomas Brooks said, Scripture meditation is the food for your souls. It is the very stomach and natural heat whereby spiritual truths are digested. A man shall soon live without his heart as he shall be able to get good by what he reads without meditation. It is not he that reads the word most, but he that meditates most that will prove the choicest, sweetest, wisest, and strongest Christian. Thomas Watson said a Christian without meditation is like a soldier without arms or a workman without tools. Without meditation, the truths of God will not stay with us. The heart is hard. The memory slippery. Without meditation, all is lost. Skip down to this George Mueller. Well, I'm tempted. Charles Spurgeon talks about chewing the cud of meditation until you're fattened by the word of the Lord and your soul grows strong. I love that picture, keeping the word in your mouth. But look at the Mueller quote at the bottom. The first thing the child of God has to do morning by morning is to obtain food for his inner man. Now, what is food for the inner man? Not prayer, but the word of God. And here again, not the simple reading of the word of God so that it only passes through our minds just as water passes through a pipe. But considering what we read, pondering over it and applying it to our hearts, the inner man is nourished by Meditation on the word of God. All right. Well, how can we teach people to do this? First, there's the question of when should Christians meditate on scripture a day and night? Joshua one, eight said that Psalm one, two said that, what does that look like? That, you know, that doesn't mean, okay, I'm going to meditate at six and six, you know, the idea day and night, it's a merism. It's, All the time. Here's a couple of references you can add to your handout on this point, day and night. Uh, Psalm 65, 5 and 6. And then Psalm 119, 147 and 148. I like these together. Psalm 119, 147 and 148 says, I rise before the dawn and cry for help early. I hope in your words... My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. I'm getting up. I'm beating the sun up to meditate on your word. And in Psalm 65 says, my soul, 65, five and six, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you on my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. So, so the blessed life of the Psalms is the man. He's meditating on the Lord in the watches of night in his bed. And then he's also beating the dawn to wake up and meditate on the word again. Okay, day and night. Well, well practically though, what does that look like? A parallel that's helpful. We're also told to pray always. And this means we pray without ceasing throughout the day. As we do everything else we need to do. But a life of prayer also means we have special set-apart times that are devoted to just prayer. Uh, and Jesus taught us that. He said, when you pray, go into what your closet or your inner room and shut the door. Well, if that's what we're supposed to do when we pray, and we're supposed to pray without ceasing... Are we supposed to spend our whole lives in the closet? No. No. There's, there's both. We have special set-apart times for private prayer. And then we also pray throughout the day as we go. And, and this is the same idea of what it should be like with meditation on Scripture day and night. Both special set-apart times in our devotionals that we're meditating on Scripture in an in, in intensive uh, set-apart way. And also as we go. All right. Well, how can we practice scripture meditation in our set apart times for private devotions? And this is just maybe just general discipleship stuff next. And then you apply it to each specific counselee or disciple as you see fit. Make it part of your daily Bible reading plan. Don't meditate on scripture instead of reading and study. Add meditation to those things. Here's an illustration uh, adapted from one found in David Mathis' book on the spiritual disciplines. In reading, we survey the land. In study, we dig for all the diamonds of truth in a particular part of the land. And in meditation, we enjoy, stare, marvel at those jewels. And there's not complete... You know, there, there, there's some overlap between these things. You should read meditatively, right? Don't try to read thoughtlessly. You, you, when you study, there will be meditation, just pondering enjoyment of the word. But they aren't technically the same thing. And try and give time sometimes that is just specifically for the purpose of meditation, though it will involve both reading and study. So these things are distinguishable, though they are inseparable. Not adding Bible meditation makes Bible reading far less profitable. Thomas Watson says the reason we come away so cold from reading the word is because we do not warm ourselves at the fire of meditation. Charles Spurgeon said, read the Bible carefully and then meditate and meditate and meditate. Remember what Mueller said, we don't just read the word. So it's like water passing through a pipe. And I recommend that you'd be on a reading plan to read through all of Scripture regularly. And then each day, choose something from your reading to go back and meditate on. Again, don't give up reading the Bible, reading lots of the Bible. Don't give up studying the Bible. But just each day, whatever you've read or studied, pick something to meditate on and, and, and do that for a few minutes. Now, how do you decide which verses to meditate on? Um, I'm going to skip that question for time. But something that stood out to you, impressed you, or is especially pertinent for for you. That's what I would generally say. When it comes to time to meditate on Scripture, what exactly do we do? Maybe this is the question some of you have been waiting for. Here's the initial warning. Don't overcomplicate things. And I give that warning because the next page of your handout is a long list of practical ways you can do this. And you, and you might see that list and think, whoa, this is so, I don't know, so complicated. And, and actually don't. Again, think about the sufficiency of the Bible. The Bible doesn't go into great detail of specifically what it looks like to meditate on the word. Okay, you basically understand what it means to meditate on something. Well, basically do that with the Bible, okay? But here are some practical suggestions with that warning in place. Ah, C handout. Don't you love that? Um, You can also find a one-page... I put this all on one page of your notes, so you can, if you want to make a copy of it and give it to a counselee or something. You can also find online a one-page handout of Practical Suggestions by Don Whitney. If you Google Don Whitney Meditation Methods, Don Whitney Meditation Methods, you'll be able to click on a PDF. And and there's a lot of overlap, um, a lot of these ideas I got from Dr. Whitney. So one, turn the... turn, And this is the one I use, I guess, most, both in my private devotions um, when I do meditate on Scripture and through the day when I do... I'll I'll do this: turn the verse or key parts of it over and over slowly in your mind, emphasizing one word or phrase at a time, and then try and squeeze all the sweetness and benefit you can out of each word. For example, so if you're going to say, "I'm going to meditate on John 3:16," go emphasize one word at a time. God so loved the world, and then think, "Okay, God is God is the one. God the Father who sent His Son. It is His love." that led to the gospel. God, Thank you, Father, for your love, which is the reason I'm saved, because you are a father of love. God so loved the world. And you think about how the love of the Father is manifest in this specific manner that he sent his son. That's the clearest way I can see God's love. God, thank you for showing your love in this way. God, help me not to look for your love in other places more than I see it in this gift of your son that you've given me. God so loved the God uh, emphasized love. God so loved. Okay. Think on that. Offer God prayer for that. God so loved the world. That's worth thinking about. God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world that he gave his son. God so loved the world. He gave his son. You see this? Okay. Emphasize one word at a time. It's just a way that you can just turn the verse over slowly in your mind so you can think about it in a pondering way and marvel at the glories of who God is. Next, pray through the verses. Uh, here, and this is a, spe- uh, you know, a biblical idea from Joshua 1.8. Keep the word in your mouth. Repeat the verse to yourself out loud, perhaps under your breath, especially under your breath if you're in a public place. Uh, walk or pace while you do. You know, repeat the verse in different ways, perhaps emphasizing different things. Or write out the verse slowly. Uh, Deuteronomy 17, the laws for kings. It says, when the king of Israel sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law. The king of Israel was supposed to write out a hand copy of the Bible. And it shall be with him. He shall read in it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord, keep all the words of this law, that he may not turn aside from the commandment. So there's resonance here with Joshua 1. Uh, then mark up the verses you've written or printed out. Now to say it out loud or to write it out, just, this is just like with prayer, will help your mind to wander less. Wander less. Um, if, you're, if you're engaging not just your, your thoughts, but, but your mouth or your hand. You can write out a list of observations or applications just as a way to, to brainstorm about the verse in a focused way. Rewrite the verse in your own words, either paraphrase or amplify. Write the inverse of the verse. Joel Beeke says, think of illustrations, similitudes, opposites in your mind to enlighten your understanding and inflame your affections and then let scriptural judgment assess the value of those things you've come up with. And this is helpful. don't you know sometimes you need you need to um, take your thoughts captive and a way you can take your thoughts captive is give your mind a specific job. Get, give it a specific way in which to meditate on the word. right because if if what you're trying to do is basically get lost in thought about the Bible, well you you might get lost in thought thinking about other things too okay. Uh, you can answer these questions about the Bible. turn the meditation topics of psalm one forty five five into questions psalm one forty five five says on the glorious splendor of your majesty, on your wondrous works, I will meditate. So take a verse and say i 'm going to psalm one forty five five this verse I'm, what how What does this verse tell me about the glorious splendor of god 's majesty? What does this verse tell me about god 's glory, His majesty?" Or on God's glorious works. What does this verse tell me about what God does and has done and has promised to do? Turn the meditation topics of Philippians 4.8 into questions. Philippians 4.8. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, commendable. If there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, what are you supposed to do? Think. Think on these things. Meditate on these things. Okay, well, oh when you meditate on scripture, you can obey. I mean, actually when you're meditating on scripture, you are obeying Philippians four, eight, but you can use the specific wording of Philippians four, eight to, to help you do that. Well, ask about a verse. What is, what is honorable about what this passage says? What is just about this verse? What is lovely about this verse? What is pure about the truth of this verse? And let that fuel your meditation. You know, more, um, more suggestions here. But look at the last one, just for time's sake. Come up with certain questions to ask in meditation related to the issues at hand in the counseling. So you may want to, if you assign scripture meditation, give, give them meditation prompts. Give them questions that you want them to, uh, to dwell on as they meditate on a certain passage. And then at the end of meditation, preach the truths you've just meditated on to your own soul. Richard Baxter said to uh, imitate the most powerful preacher you ever heard. And then that I gave you a couple of um, links in a footnote on your handout to that expands that point a little more. What that would look like to preach these truths to exhort your own soul with what you've meditated on. And, And the Psalms model this Psalm 42. Why are you cast down? O my soul. Hope in God, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So if you're meditating on Philippians 4.8, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, think on these things. Well, exhort your soul. Say, O my soul, why would you think about vain things? Why would you think today about what is unlovely and unjust and impure? Keith Christensen, today, when you have thought time that, that you can choose what to do with, think about what is lovely. Think about what will come from that. Think about what will uh, what where your mind will go if you don't purpose to do that. Okay, exhort yourself. Preach to yourself. All right, next, let meditation fuel your times of prayer in private devotions. Read, meditate, pray. And, and the Puritans were were all over this connection. Uh, I'm just gonna read the short quotes. George Swinock. Meditation is the best beginning of prayer. Prayer is the best conclusion of meditation. Matthew Henry, Meditation is the best preparation for prayer. So prayer is the best issue of meditation. Meditation and prayer go together. William Bates, The great reason why our prayers are ineffectual is because we do not meditate before them. William Bridge, Meditation is the mother of prayer. Though a man's heart be much indisposed to prayer, If he can fall into a meditation of God and the things of God, his heart will soon come to prayer. And you'll find this. If you meditate on scripture, you will not be able to help but start praying. Prayers of worship, prayers of repentance, prayers of request. Begin with reading or hearing, go on with meditation, end in prayer. And the end of that manton quote I... Skip says that men are barren, dry, and sapless in their prayers for want of exercising themselves in holy thoughts, meditation. So so the way that the Puritans would tell you to have your quiet time is to read the word, meditate on something that you've read that will lead to prayer, that will cause you to be prayerful. But your goal in that time is to especially meditate on the word, not necessarily to give yourself to prayer. And then let let that kind of that spiritual momentum that that you've uh, warmed your heart toward God uh, through met Bible meditation push you into your time of prayer. And so you enter into your time of prayer already with kind of you you've already lifted off the runway a little bit. And then th- I'm not going to read this gigantic, gigantic George Mueller quote, but but I put it on there because I hope you will. George Mueller was a great man of prayer. And, and he says in this, in this quote, um, he says, I used to try and give myself right away to prayer. And what happened? It, w- it would be 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour, sometimes an hour before I really started praying, before I could really get my heart in a spirit of prayer and, and discipline my mind. He said, now I almost never suffer in that way. Why? Why? Is as because at first I seek food for my soul, not just through the reading of the word, but the meditation on the word, which, which invariably give, gives my heart to prayer as I'm meditating. And then also when I start to pray through whatever, the needs of the day, then um, I don't suffer in the same way. All right. How can we practice it during daily life? We're going to have to hurry, huh? Whenever you have discretionary thought time, when you don't have to focus your mind on something else. All right, if you're an engineer, if you're meditating on scripture while you should be focusing on whatever your engineering project is, well, you're not obeying, you know, some of the Bible that tells you to do your work with excellence. When you have discretionary thought time, when you don't have to be thinking about something else during the day, and there are lots of little pockets like that, it's purpose to meditate on on scripture. Set regular reminders for yourself, timers, alarms, etc. Remind yourself, oh yeah, I'm going to meditate on scripture right now. Or choose to make certain mundane tasks, times that will always be used for meditation. So you can say, okay, folding laundry is going to be meditation time. While I do that, that's, there are things that you do that technically are at the same time discretionary thought time because so you don't have to be thinking about what you're doing. You just do it while you, while you drive or something. If you make certain tasks, those are going to be times I meditate that will help you to remember to do that. All right. Through without ceasing prayer and, and day and night scripture meditation, you can hold communion with God all day. There are two things the Bible says you should do all the time, all the live long day. Pray and meditate on scripture. And very practically, that, that's a very significant part of what it means to walk with God all day. You're talking to him and you're hearing him talk to you. Not that you meditate on scripture and that you'll hear other words that God says to you as you meditate on scripture. But actually, when you are meditating on the words of scripture, you are hearing God speak to you because these are words that are coming out of his mouth, the words that he has written. Okay? So when you walk with someone, you talk to them, you listen to them talk to you, pray day, all, without ceasing, meditate day and night, walk with God all day. All right, here's, here's important. Uh, four ways to live, Jerry Bridges. That's a cool idea. You can Google that. Uh, prepare. Leave your morning devotions already having chosen the verses you'll meditate on when you have the opportunity. Okay? What do you take with you? Whenever you're, whatever you're memorizing, whatever you meditated on that morning, maybe continue to meditate on something that especially helped you yesterday. But, but leave your devotions. Look, J.C. Ryle, let us resolve to meditate more on the Bible. It's good to take with us two or three texts when we go out into the world. Okay. Other times to use scripture meditation. Here's one that I'll point out is um, for after sermons or Bible teachings, because this is related maybe to the, to the homework you give in counseling. Puritan Thomas White said, it's better to hear one sermon only and meditate on it than to hear two sermons and meditate on neither. Richard Baxter says, why is so much preaching lost among us and professors can run from sermon to sermon and are never weary of hearing or reading and yet have such languishing, starved souls? I know of no truer or greater cause than their ignorance and unconscionable neglect of meditation. Add scripture meditation To reading the word. Add meditation to hearing the word preached. Add meditation to memorizing the word. And the fruit of all of those disciplines will be greatly increased. And so do you assign in counseling homework people to read the word, memorize the word, and listen to teachings on the word? You probably do. That's what your counseling homework is. Why not add to that? and meditate then on these truths. It will increase the profitability of those exercises if they really will. And it also might help you to um, not let people do a bad job on their homework. Some people finish the Bible study you gave them like in the car before they walk into your meeting. And that's when they finish memorizing the scripture too. Maybe that's when they finish listening to the teaching that you gave them to listen to that you're going to discuss. How much, how much does that really change them? All right. When you tell them, and you've got to meditate on these things, maybe in this certain way or for this amount of time or this number of times during the week, All right. it, it helps them not to let the truths of the Bible pass through their minds like water passes through a pipe. You say, no, you keep that truth in your mind and you think about it. All right, so here are some ideas for asc- assigning Scripture meditation in homework. A, before you assign any Scripture meditation, you may need to teach your counselee about it. You probably will. B, is this in your notes? Yeah. 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 You yeah. What did I skip? Oh, D, D. Just just, oh, it, oh, oh. Yeah, I skipped... Oh, oh, the screen. Oh, there are blanks there. Now I understand. I'm sorry. I didn't... There are blanks there. I know, I know. I know. No, I'm... Yeah. No, 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 no. It's... it's... <laughs> I don't have those underlined in my notes, so when I skipped it, I, I thought I didn't know I was leaving you hanging. I apologize for the angst that I caused you. But while you're writing this down, let me talk about this then, okay? <laughs> use, use the Lord's Day to meditate on Scripture extra. Uh-huh. Sanctify the Lord's Day. In seasons of special difficulty, meditate on Scripture extra. In seasons of special spiritual growth, okay? Milk that season for all it's worth. You're not, you don't uh, live 100% of your Christian life in a season of accelerated spiritual growth. When you're in that season, grow all you can. Give yourself to meditating on the Word. All right. Everyone good on this page? Okay, well, it's 345, but basically... Um, see, how about this? See handout. So you've got all the information on this one. Basically, I just gave a lot of ideas of how you could add Scripture meditation to what you're already assigning... To help those exercises actually be more fruitful. Let me close in prayer. God help us first. To meditate more on scripture. So that we can teach our counselees and our disciples to do the same. Not just because. uh, We know that your word says they should. But because we have personally tasted how good it is for our souls and how much help we derive from it. God, thank you for telling us to do this in your word. Uh, we give you this thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen.